but about two years ago, I was raped. There's a lot of anger. We're not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. My understanding of the world changed. And I felt numb. Are you a man or a mouse? I was alone. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. All right, everyone, and welcome to Safe Spaces for Men. And this is your leadership development coach, Thomas Edward. All right, tasked to help educate, coach, equip, and help you dealing with those ACEs, those adverse childhood experiences of sexual abuse, and to come out on the other side as a thriver. All right, everyone, 2019 is almost at an end. I mean, can you believe it? We're getting ready to enter the world of 2020. All right. So I want you to see this, whatever you're dealing with today, okay, good or, or bad, I want you to, let's take a strengths approach to this. In other words, you're here now, and that's great because that gives you an opportunity to work and to be better today more than you were yesterday, right? So that's if that's one thing for being here, no matter what we're dealing with, we get another opportunity. So I was working with an individual, he's in his, his 30s, and he was saying, well, why now? You know, why, why now? Why is this stuff coming up for me now? So for him, he's actually, he works in an executive position. And as we started working through things, he started to realize that his leadership style was actually based upon or influenced a lot from the trauma of the sexual abuse that had affected him. So the whole authoritarian uh, kind of, if you want to say coercive um, leadership style micromanaging that he was using, he started to realize, wow, this has been a result of the abuse influencing me and my leadership style is majorly affected, right? And so he's like, why now? Why this now? And I said, hey, let's, let's take a strength-based approach or perspective. So I said, well, let's just think about your brain. Let's think about your brain psyche. I said, so what brain wouldn't want to unpack this type of stuff when it's in the now in a supportive environment, an encouraging environment, a non-judgmental environment, and an environment where it's actually starting to find solutions to work this stuff out? And he looked at me, he's like, wow, you know what? That's pretty good. I hadn't thought about that. It's like, yeah, I'm at the perfect space and time, and there's someone here to help me to unpack and work through these things. So this is the perfect time for this stuff to come up because now I have the resources to actually deal with it. All right. So, yep, that is definitely a strengths based approach. And that's the one that we try to look at when we're talking about working with the abuse. Uh, I'm just going to share just a little bit today. I know some of us are still, if you want to say, you know, dealing with the, the holiday. If you haven't had an opportunity, go up to the website, website um, Safe Spaces for Men, and check out those surviving the holidays. Uh, but I'm going to talk a little bit about that now as we get ready to kind of wrap up. For some of us, the past couple of days or weeks have been a little bit difficult. And maybe one of the reasons they've been difficult, because maybe we haven't got to the point yet where we've accepted that we're actually in a toxic family. Maybe the abuse took place with one of the relatives that was there, or maybe there's just other things where we have a toxic family. And it's been difficult t for us to actually maybe admit that. 
Now, here's the thing, even when we talk about, you know, dysfunction or toxicity, however you want to know, it's like, well, you know, Thomas, how do I know if I'm actually in one or not? How do I know if my family is, you know, dysfunctional? Well, here's the reason. We all have dysfunctionality, right? And so there's no family that is perfect. It would be great because when we think about our family, our family shapes, you know, those formative years of our lives. And of course, our upbringing is crucial, crucial to the type of people that we are surrounded with. And unfortunately, not everyone is fortunate or blessed to be, if you want to say, in a healthy, loving family, you know, in a family where, of course, you're encouraged, a family where you're supported, a family where you're allowed to speak up, a, a family where you're encouraged to be who you are. And so when we think about dysfunction, we're talking about dysfunction from the perspective that it's actually hindering you or stopping you from being, I'm going to say, who you are. Okay. Arguments, those different type of things, are those are just normal, right, in the family because we all see things from a different perspective. And when we have conflicts, if the conflicts are healthy, if we respect each other, trust each other, we have open mindedness, then we consider that a, a functional. So even if there's dysfunction, the way that we handle it is functional. So a toxic environment is going to be the total opposite of that. So those are going to be families that we are in where we've got patterns of abuse, discrimination, uh, manipulation, uh, verbal assaults, uh, verbal attacks, maybe physical. And then for us that are dealing with the abuse, they're going to be sexual. So here's something just for you to think about. So how do I know? How, you know, I, I go home, I go back home, whatever, for the holidays. And um, for me, sometimes, you know, the abuse issues come back up. It's like, how do, what should I do? Am I in a toxic environment or not? Well, when we're talking about toxic families, here's one thing that there might be going on. And so one might be that there's emotional neglect. Okay. Now we've talked a little bit about this, of course, in the past when we're talking about this, but emotional neglect. Remember that oftentimes in some families that children, no matter how old we are, are not viewed as people but they're viewed rather as things, things to be controlled, things to be used and things to be manipulated. And so parents or that parental figure, oftentimes they fail to provide the emotional support, which makes the child feel emotionally stinted. Now, here's the thing. Even though we're grown and we're in these families environments, if those are the things that are still taking place with our parents, then it's possible that we're still experiencing, even today, emotional neglect. Okay, so that's how we can tell. That's one of the things when we're talking about a toxic environment, dysfunctional families. And then, of course, emotional neglect can also result, of course, in insecure attachments. So clinginess or lack of respect for boundaries and dependency. Okay, so all those things could be considered emotional neglect okay i've even seen you know um i've even seen but i've even experienced times where um families will use i'm going to call it you know talk to the hand type of deal the silence treatment 
um, as emotional neglect tool, right? And so you got to be careful. Uh, here's another one to, to think about. So some signs. How can I tell if this, whatever that I mean, that there's this toxicity there? Okay, so is there a lot of controlling going on? So, you know, we want the best. Hopefully we want the best for our loved ones. But sometimes we feel that they don't know what's best for them. <laughs> so we meddle. Now, that's coming from a certain perspective, right? That's kind of normal. However, when we're talking about control, control becomes unhealthy when it's relentless. So, and it's done for selfish reasons. So sometimes I've noticed in, in families, they'll use money as a way to control. Uh, going back to emotion, they'll use emotional blackmail. So they won't talk to you. They will use the silent treatment in order to control. And they use lies or they just manipulate you to get you to do what they want. Now, the most frequent one that I often see when helping survivors to work with things, especially within families, is the emotional blackmail, which is really, really common. And what often happens are parents or family members that use uh, the affection or distress to actually control the individual that they're trying to control. So they'll use phrases like, well, you know, this is for your own good. Okay, thanks, but you know, I'm 47 right now and I think I can determine what's for my own good. But those are some of the things that, uh, that might be used. Here's another one. It's like, okay, am I in a toxic situation or not? Family environment, uh, chronic conflict. Okay. Now you might saying, well, but you know, I grew up and my parents were always arguing and stuff. Okay. Well, that might be one indicator, one that there's a, some dysfunction going on, but when it's happening all the time, then I think we might need to move it over into the toxic uh, side. So constant you know festering conflict between whatever members of the, the family or it just feels like the the fighting never ends it's like even when you go to the family events around the holidays it's just always this tension there because the issues never really get resolved and so then you know you're left there with the wounds you're left with resentment festering and all these things because they're unresolved. Now remember, the worst type of conflict there is, is unresolved conflict. Okay. So that's another indication that, hey, maybe this situation that I'm in is toxic if you're trying to figure that out. The next one is, and this one is a hard one, but I'm going to share this one because I was dealing with this one uh, in the past week with a survivor who came in and was looking for help. And it's called, we're going to call it parentification. That's what at least we used to call it in, in psychology class. Okay. Um, so it's where the parent-child dynamics are pretty much completely reversed. So you've got one or both of the parents. Uh, they're often absent. Okay. And then what happens is that makes the, the child responsible and in charge for caring for themselves or for other family members, um, especially when you, if you were a child on a daily basis. And so that's what we mean by parentification. Um, if you ever say to yourself, man, I just felt like I was forced to grow up so soon. 
Okay, that might be an indication of parentification. Okay, so you're giving these heavy responsibilities that no child, let's say, at that age should be responsible for, and you really didn't have a, you didn't really have a choice. It was just kind of thrusted upon you. And because of that, oftentimes what happens is that it stunts our own development, our own developmental needs. And so maybe because of it, it we have poor identity, uh, maybe we're unassertive, um, incapable of really developing those healthy interpersonal relationships with others. Okay. Now, I know that's going a little bit back because we said parentification, so that means I have to kind of go back and kind of look and see if that's what was going on for me during that time. But if it is, then that might understand or help me understand um, kind of the dynamic dynamics that are even going on um, today. All right. What's another one when we think about um, toxicity? Okay. How about, let's see, one that I experience a couple of weeks was was exploiting okay so let me ask you this one do you ever feel like your sole purpose in life is to care for let's just say x whoever it is and you can put sibling in there you can put parent whatever that they only show affection or value as long as you can provide them some type of financial or emotional need okay that's exploitation Okay. And sometimes it's not as blatant. It's not as blatant as physical abuse, verbal abuse, um, but it's still a sign of toxicity and dysfunction. And so when we think about this, exploitation happens when there's a, I'm going to say, a deliberate manipulation or abuse of power. So I'm specifically using it to take advantage of you. Now, we've talked about this before, and we've kind of named it as the power differential. But in this case, the person is actually using that power differential or the relationship in such a way to actually exploit, manipulate, or influence the person. Okay. And so that's another thing. So if you've got that going on, well, that might be a possibility to saying that Maybe the environment that I'm in is a toxic environment. All right. Here's the one that we probably experience the most. And that is harsh judgment and criticism. So do you have the situation that here the holidays are coming up? And you're just afraid or you dread the family get togethers. And the reason is, you know, you're going to get incessant questions. <laughs> and it's not that the questions are like the people are just tr being inquisitive or it's like they're asking the question so they can either speak down to you so they can give you some type of criticism or they can can judge you. Right now, here's one I'm going to share with you that someone gave me. And this actually, this happened, uh, oh, this was Thanksgiving. So they were at a family event and the abuse survivor was there and the question was asked and they keep asking him this question all the time. They said, when are you getting married? Are you ever going to get married? And it got to the point where he just couldn't take anymore, right? 
and this is where it comes out and that's why I say usually it's the holidays and he says you know what how dare you ask me that question so he said if you hadn't abused me and then I had to go to therapy and try to work through all this stuff where I could have healthy relationships maybe I would be married by now okay definitely a toxic environment but that toxicity was created with the harsh judgment and criticism you know like hey what are you what are you doing with your life are you ever going to do anything with your life are you going to have you know the, the wife and the picket fence and the two kids and those different type of type of things now what happens and what really becomes a problem and what is heartbreaking is then when we take those harsh judgments and criticisms and then they start to become our own inner critics and own inner judgments so then it's hard for us to even have you know positive loving affirmations about ourselves, and to have some innate self-worth that even allows us to deal with the criticisms and harsh judgments as they come okay now i know that was a, a few but like i said i'm just these are just off the top of my head i just been thinking about you know some of the different calls and and texts and things that i've been getting over the past whatever to say couple of weeks that I've been running into all right so solutions what are we going to do now we've realized that okay or we've even accepted I'm in this toxic family what am I going to do all right this is not going to be easy and I'm just going to let you know and I'm going to share with you a, a survivor of 30 something years 40 something years however long it's been and i still have some of these issues today right and that's because some of the um, abusers perpetrators are still in our family and there is sometimes a denial whatever that so i get some of these things too all right so here's the first thing i'm going to i'm going to share with you and so these are coming from my heart because these are things that i had to do at some point we just have to say or we have to know when to say that enough is enough right so you know it's important you know because there's always this this line it's like how do we separate this line especially if the abuse took place it was perpetrated by someone in the family close friend whatever those relationships like we talked about before it can be difficult but if we are in those situations where we are constantly being exposed to the toxicity at some point we have to just stop and say this is a toxic environment I'm accepting that and I'm saying enough is enough so when the negativity becomes a, a, a pattern and, and I'm constantly seeing it and I know that I'm going to constantly be around it and it's going to cause me anxiety in my own life and it's hard for me to put up the, the boundaries then sometimes I need to say that enough is enough, okay? So actually being in a toxic family is kind of one of the main reasons that people actually start therapy in the first place. So that's, that's really important. What do you need to do? How am I going to cope with this? How am I going to cope with this toxic family? One, okay, have courage. So let's take this, like we said, from a strength-based perspective. You survived up to this point. So that means that somewhere deep down inside of you, you've got tools, you've got coping mechanisms that have helped you to survive 
at this point, whether they've been positive, healthy ones or not, you survived. You're at this point. Okay. So that means from this point, you can move forward, but maybe now you need the courage to stand up. Maybe now you need the courage to establish strong boundaries. And maybe now you need uh, the courage to maybe have minimal contact or even cut off entirely. And so, I mean, you know, there are some members in my family I have minimal contact with. And that's because it's still a toxic environment. So even after, you know, talking and bringing this stuff out, whatever, in the open, they either choose to deny you know, or still to create that toxic, um, abusive environment. Okay. Here's another one to, to think about. It's like, okay, how are we going to deal with this toxicity? Especially when we're talking about sexual abuse, if it occurred, like I said, you know, in the family, family member, someone close to us. Okay. Here's the thing. And only you can answer this. If you've really tried to do your best, you have really tried to do your best in working through this stuff. You really try to do your best in either, you know, confronting, talking, whatever, but it's just not going anywhere. Then here's my thing. Then don't bother to seek closure. Because oftentimes as survivors, that's what we're looking for. We're trying to get the answer to that. Why? Why? Why did the person do this to me? Why did they treat me this way? Because we're trying to find closure. Okay. But sometimes when we're dealing with a toxic situation, the reality is you'll never get the why or the person will never be honest or they'll never admit that what they did was, was wrong or they'll whatever it is. Right. And so sometimes what we need to do is we need to take the power back and say that, OK, instead of seeking closure, it's done. <laughs> OK, so you're trying to find closure or whatever from the, from the other person. And what really happens, though, is when the other person denies or refuses to either talk about or something, they're actually denying you closure. And guess what that looks like in our power differential? It means that they still have control and they still have power over you. And so what I'm saying is don't let them. Okay, don't let them. Here's the hardest one, I think, when we're talking about dealing with our toxic families or situation for abuse so survivors. And it is just letting go of what we can't change. Letting go of what we can't change. Oftentimes what we're trying to do is we're trying to change what seems impossible. In other words, I, you know, oftentimes when I'm doing my leadership coaching and I'm talking to people and I, I say, hey, how many people here manage people? And people raise their hands because they're managers. And I said, no, I said, we never manage people because that's impossible. Right. You manage things. You know, so you manage your deadlines, you you manage your tasks, those different type of things, projects. But I say you, you don't manage people people you coach them you lead them you mentor them you discipline them those different types of things and because the only thing i said that you can change is really you the only thing that you can really control is is you so stop trying to change the impossible which is trying to change someone else they have to want to to do that so sometimes when we're talking about the toxicity we have to be able 
to really just let go of what we can't change and to continue to move on. And then here's the final one, and we'll we'll close out <laughs> this one or the year with this one. If you are in a toxic environment, one of the best things I can say to you, especially in family situations, is please stop taking responsibility for their actions. Okay, stop taking responsibility for their actions. You know, we've all grown up, and, and especially for survivors, oftentimes blaming ourselves, blaming ourselves, you know, for the tragedies of, of life, um, even sometimes for what happened to us. And those can be really difficult to break, especially when we're playing the self-blame game. But it's really important because sometimes what we feel is by blaming ourselves, it's kind of the illusion that we're actually still in control. Right. So if I can say, well, even though it wasn't my fault, if I can say it was my fault, whatever, it means that I'm in control. And so now I'm in this place because I was in control when the reality is no, when the abuse took place, someone else was controlling, using their will, their desires over me. And you know what? I'm not taking responsibility for those actions or for their actions. When we're dealing with this, even in the toxic family, sometimes when the families are still the way that they are, and you're like, man, come on, family. It's been so 40, 50 years, and you're still behaving this way. <laughs> Let them take responsibility for their own actions, and you continue to move forward in the actions, boundaries, whatever that you're going to do to be the best person that you can be all right guys there are safe spaces for men hey like i said go up to the to the website feel free to shoot me some email hey just thanks for just allowing me to have kind of this little if you want to say fireside chat where we could just talk about things like i said safe spaces for men so you know shoot me those questions if you want to shoot me those questions on on anything that you want to deal with anything you want to talk about but you know what i want to encourage you in the coming year, 2020, maybe this is the first time you even heard about safe spaces for men. I want to encourage you, let's do something this year. Okay. So if you're just now realizing, discovering maybe, you know, your abuse, things that have happened to you, start now, start today so that you can beat the research statistic to say that most men don't start working through their sexual abuse issues till their late 40s or 50s come on guys we can get this at an earlier age so we can have such a great life moving forward by starting to work on it now and if you are even on that latter end spectrum start now right because the days i've had can be even better let's say than just waiting another 10 or 20 years that's what safe spaces for men is here to do all right, guys, until our next podcast, be well, be safe, realize you are not alone and realize that you are loved.